0: To the American Scouser podcast. I am your host, Timuchin, and we are back to our regular trio this week. We have Paul Bickler with us. Paul, what's
1: happening? You know, when you like ask somebody that at work and you know, you do it, just be polite, and then they corner you and they fill you in for like the last 15 minutes about their life and shit. I'm going to be that guy at work. Okay. Because listen, and, and I hate to take this pot off the rails before we even get to Jamie. <laughs> Got a piece of mail today. Okay, very important. I've got to read this from NBC <laughs> Peacock, Mr. Bickler. It has come to our attention that you have unwillingly been strong-armed into an agreement, one where you have very little to gain and quite a lot to lose for the sheer entertainment of others. <clears throat> After some consideration, we've come to the conclusion that it is in the best interest of the general public and fans of the Premier League to ensure the most entertaining outcome. We hope you enjoyed the part we played Sunday. Really, we just drew the lines while God kind of did the rest. We wish you the best along the way, and in we close this box of tea. Best to start warming up your old pipes. Warmest regards, the lads of Stockley Park. Dude, <laughs> m- match fixing. And for <laughs> me to fucking sing? I don't know. Hey, whatever
0: it takes, man. Whatever it takes. I thought that was the highlight of the podcast last time was getting you to commit to singing. Uh, <laughs> speaking of singing, never <laughs> have to even make a bet or do anything. which I usually try to get him to stop singing. Is Irish Jamie with us? What's happening, man? Oh um,
2: uh, man, what a Monday! Just <laughs> thank, thank God for Alison. Whatever your Monday was, folks, I'm sure it was. As, as Monday-ish as Mondays could be after that, but in the back of your minds, you have that beautiful man.
0: Yeah, I, normally, you know, when we, st- we start the podcast and we kind of start from the beginning of the week towards the end, uh, but we kind of almost have to start from the very last Liverpool thing that happened this week. And, man, that was freaking unreal. That's one thing. I mean, this team within the last... It feels like two, three seasons has given us like ridiculous moments that are like lifetime moments, but it has happened within the last two, three years. I mean, that was ridiculous. It's hard to put words to it. I've,
2: I've like, you know, usually this is about the time I do the 60 seconds. I've got a few things to talk about. There's no real 60 seconds to it, but the numbers are here on Allison. So Liverpool, as a football club, have scored 10,067 goals. Zero of 458 players that participated in those goals have been goalkeepers.
0: He is the first.
2: Allison record-breaking Becker. And the
0: first one to score as a header. I think this was, what, the sixth, they said, in the Premier League, only scoring, but this was the very first... Header one and man couldn't happen at a better moment for one uh, and probably couldn't happen to a better guy at a better time. Wow. I mean, it was one of those things. I mean, it's like, you know, sometimes it's like you watch this game you know, it's the bad results and you're miserable afterwards. And I don't know about you guys. At least I sometimes think, man, why do I do this to myself? (laughs) You know, like just, I'm not even involved. Why do I make myself miserable over like a game? But then something like this happens and you're like, you know why? This is exactly freaking why I do it. Cause then the ridiculous high of the high. So Bickler, what were you doing? You were at work, weren't you, when this happened? So,
1: yeah, so I was with Jamie first half, and then I had to duck out at halftime and run all the way to the other side of town to open the brewery bar, and um, I kind of, I had it all in the background. I was trying to watch while I set up and, you know, get people taken care of. It. and Like, I heard the audio, like, of it happened, and I turned around, and my first, like, first thing I saw was Mo, like, flipping out. So I thought Mo, like, you know, I thought Mo would, like, past Harry Kane. And I was like, Holy shit. Like we just won. And then like, they start showing the replay and I'm like, Oh my God, Allison's up there. Like, like, Oh my God, Allison scored. Like it was crazy. And it was like, you know, amongst the, the obvious thing is it's a game winner to basically save the season. But like, there was something that like steered into my consciousness, this like vision of uh, Roberto Fermina with the armband on, holding allison by the head yeah. you know and like foreheads together and it was like like dude my grinchy heart like shrunk like but like it just grew like 20 sizes it was crazy like it was like gave like the hair on the back of my neck went up it was it was wild and then the post-game interview was just like i was sitting there at the bar trying to like like my lower lip was quivering and i'm like i'm good i'm good <laughs> like and, you know, I'm in a bar, I'm I'm a bar full of people where no one cares about international football. so it was like, um it was lost on everybody. I was trying to explain to somebody, and it was like, the only thing I can think of is the equivalent of like a game seven in a postseason baseball game in the bottom of the knife walk off home run, and it's your number nine that goes to sub in for somebody and, and scores it. like that's the only equivalent i can I can possibly think of, and that's not even a good one. It was just such a an insanely like, brilliant moment but also like for all intents all intents of purposes kind of bizarre as well yeah
0: it was just i don't know Uh, i i've talked about on the podcast before our like goal ritual with like my dog stitch and yeah he he was freaked out dude i was like yelling and (laughs) screaming and and you know like i like and he ran over because he knew again there was a goal involved and then you know i I don't usually give hugs and kisses to the dog, you know, that's more like the wife's and the little one's gig. And, and I gave him a hug. He was just totally thrown off. He was like, whoa, bro, what's happening? Uh, but then, yeah, it was this snack time. And I was going to give him a couple of snacks. And I was like, man, for this one, I walked out one of like the bigger bones. And I was like, this is all you, buddy. This happens very rare. So this is all you. <laughs> but yeah, what a moment. So we'll talk about it a bit more because I want to talk about, you know, uh, some of the crap that Big Sam was talking about and all that kind of too in terms of like defensively and all that. So we'll kind of talk about that, but I kind of figured we had to mention it before we start talking about anything else. So let's go back to our regularly scheduled programming. Uh So Jamie, we will start with you and your Liverpool news in 60 seconds. And go.
2: Yeah, well like I said, we were talking about Allison, the, the, the stats and numbers on that, but we do have some more news. Um, We've got Salah's reached 200 games. There's a whole bunch of numbers I can list off there, but you can go on to the official app and, and get them all in, in full format. There's hundreds of numbers, You'd literally. 16,000 minutes played, 133 minutes per goal, 98 games scored in, 70 goals in Anfield, etc., etc. But uh, the Liverpool Under-18s are going to face Villa in the Youth Cup final after beating Ipswich to Town. So that's some, some silverware. On the horizon for the andrea teams and um we've got a new partnership with predator energy drink i haven't really read much into it but i don't know how lucrative the deal is going to be but we're apparently that's our energy energy drink moving forward um but yeah other than that that's the news
0: hopefully it lasts longer than that freaking coconut water or whatever they, <laughs> that oh, yeah. thing
1: was that's a, that's a dicey name in this day and age yeah
0: Okay, so next up is the trivia. So I oh, have to hold, this hold on one
2: second. As we oh. just mentioned, the goalkeepers. I do have, by chance, I do have the five other goalkeepers that have scored. Oh,
1: there. here we fucking go. Listen, let them ask the question before uh, you no, see. <laughs> see, see I, knew, I knew, Jamie would freaking <laughs> so. I
0: mean, I have a totally different one. So you can go ahead and give those six. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just wanted to let it be known. <laughs> <laughs>
0: See, I knew you would study that shit up, dude Okay uh, it, was so, March, it was on much of the Day I couldn't help but let, like remember them You're like, screenshot it You're like, this is going to come up on the podcast <laughs> uh, Okay, here's your guys' question uh, It's about a goalie About scoring But give me And I don't know if there's another one But this is definitely the first professional goalkeeper To score a hat-trick you guys, give me the names. It dude was good. I remember him actually. Like, I remember watching it. Is it, it so like that gives you the time frame right there. See? Oh, so it's, it's going to be before I was born. That's funny. That, I see, I knew I, was, I knew I was going to. Yeah. So within like the last eighty years.
1: And he gets have a clue. I don't have a clue. Go to Patrick. Come on, nobody knows
2: that. I remember. I remember vaguely this of head. A uh, goalkeeper who was like a dead ball specialist, uh, international goalkeeper. I forget who he was though.
1: Oh yeah, Brad Friedel. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Coincidentally, has scored in the Premier League.
1: <laughs> I remember that one. It was so, so ridiculous. The win basically scored it. Yeah, what was up with the American
0: scoring bio? Is that Friedel, Tim Howard? <laughs> Schmeichel, yeah. right yeah. but not as a like yeah some stupid United fan was like yo you know Schmeichel was the first one to do it and stuff like that even though he wasn't a United player at the time I think that's when he was playing for Villa right yeah I
2: think, yeah, I think you're right yeah man. so
0: like, but they're, they're that's they're United fans for you but here's yeah. a segment for you Spirit so of United let's go back to the beginning of the week and talk about it our friends in Manchester. Man, that was this has been an awesome week of Liverpool for me. Uh watching the following the game live with my brother who's a United fan was just a true joy. But let's begin go back to the beginning of the week cuz I know especially with um you know from our Discord chat of our American Scouser group, I know we're not all on the same page with this in terms of the United's lineup against Leicester. I know Jamie, for example, was not too thrilled about it. So Jamie, let's start with you. Let's get your take. How did you how do you view that? I kind of know and I know we don't agree, but let's get you make your case. Sell me on your concept.
2: Well, my, my case is if it was us, we'd get slated for it. we'd get slated that we were disrespecting the other teams, we were disrespecting everybody else. Like so I think it's just I think it's yeah. If you were in their shoes, you'd do the exact same. Um, however, (laughs) these are the type of fans that you talk about with, uh, they're trying to knock Liverpool back into the, the terrible competition. That is the European league and, or the Europa league and, uh, then they're in this all of a sudden prestigious final in the upcoming week. So, I mean... (laughs) I
0: I admire that irony throughout the week, too. Like, talking shit about it. They're like, you guys are going to play Thursdays. I'm like, you guys do play on Thursdays. Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Currently. (laughs) Yeah, because I read a lot online about, oh, they're doing it because it's Liverpool, and, you know, all they were doing it against us. I kind of thought that was a bit too self-absorbed because if we were in the same situation, there was no way in hell we were playing our starters... Oh, in 48 be- hours yeah. In a game that's really meaningless to them And then risk injury When they do have this final coming up And I, I mean, I, let's face it We talk shit about Europa And it's not like the most prestigious tournament But how we cared when we were in the final, right? I mean, so, I mean, it's ultimately a cup It's a trophy And it's a European trophy on top of it So, I mean, if we were in it We would care about it And we wouldn't want, you know Mo or Mane out there in 48 hours
1: Getting injured Uh, What did you think, Paul? Yeah, I mean, I think we're on the same page. Like, I don't think it's anything to do about Liverpool. I mean, you look at their fixture list and, like, directly after us, you know, they have essentially Fulham. And I think the way the fixtures fall, with them having a game on Tuesday and then coming and turning around and playing on Thursday, you're you're not fielding your best 11 within 48 hours of each other. Like no manager's doing that. Like, you, you know, Jurgen said he'd do the same thing. It doesn't, it's not even about Jurgen. I don't think any manager does that. Like, um, I mean, I wouldn't see Pep doing that. I don't think Pep's going to like, and he has probably the kind of squad where he could do that. Like you just not, you're just not doing that as, especially when you've got a, a European final, even if it's, it is Europa coming up the following week. You know, I just, I don't know, man. I didn't get as bent out of shape about it as a lot of people did, uh, just because I think the reality of it is, is like I said, you're just not starting your strongest eleven within 48 hours of each other.
0: And that was my thing. Obviously, it didn't, you know, fit our narrative and you know what we wanted out of it, but and heck, they almost pulled it off. I mean, that's kind of like does not look well for Leicester either heading into the last two games in some ways. And we'll talk about this, but I rather have them beat Chelsea and put kind of like Chelsea in the hole. Uh, But um, I mean, they barely kind of like got the three points out of that, despite that. And I know that kind of had, partially to do with it the fact that they faced you know they started the game knowing hey we're facing you know like almost like their second team i mean a lot of this professional game even though these guys are professionals there's a lot of like uh is in the mindsets and everything like that so fast forward to the game day another 48 hours so now they play us and we have the protest. I, I mean, let me ask you guys this, because I'll be honest, I didn't follow it as closely, or maybe we didn't hear it as much, but they didn't have as much of a hoopla in terms of fans protesting before the Leicester game, even though it was home. Right, Jamie? Yeah, I believe so. Um,
1: I just remember. don't know if
0: we didn't hear about it, or it just didn't happen. Like, I mean, no, I, I did remember. not see them blocking the Leicester bus or some shit like that. no. I remember seeing um,
2: some photograph of red boards going up outside Old Trafford in the build-up to the Liverpool game. Nothing before the Leicester game. So it was almost planned as if, you know, this is built to be the most watched sporting event in the world. We've, it's happening this day. And no matter what, they were always going to do it. it. Just the fact that it's also was the icing on their cake, I'd say.
0: So let's talk about the game. It was – I mean, obviously, the result was amazing. Uh, Definitely not the best start, uh, but I felt it was the most energetic we looked, especially in midfield. What did you make of it overall, Paul?
1: Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I think that is true, and it's interesting just because I don't think, like – I wouldn't say that any of them necessarily had their best ninety minutes for us. I mean, Diago played really, really good, but like Fab was a bit off it. I thought Genie kind of rolled in waves, um, but I just think that like the tra- the 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 ball movement from back to front was so much more rapid and so much more fluid and with so much more purpose. Uh, and I think that comes down to the fact that like really united set up kind of in this four two three one where they've got essentially almost like a front four at times and i think that really leaves McTominay and fred in there so you've really down the two midfielders when you're in transition and i think that helps you know versus like if we're looking at west brom they've got two banks of four that they pack down in and makes it very difficult so i think a lot of it was tactical setup and the fact that united will open up and play with us right so there are opportunities to, to really counter um versus them I was actually amazed that they did actually attack us. Um,
0: I kind of like expected Ole to kind of go with what works. And I don't know, like if they really needed the three points, I don't know if they would have played the same way in some ways. Uh, But I'll be honest, like we talked last week and we kind of assumed – uh, that Fabinho would be starting him back because we were kind of worried about their forwards and their attack, especially like the speed they had with like Rashford and stuff like that. Uh, surprised to see that duo back there, Jamie. Yeah, I have to, have to admit, I
2: was. Um, but you know, pleasantly surprised at the end of the day. I didn't think they would have stood, stood the test quite as well. You know, I mean, fair play to them. They didn't really thought, think, uh, go ahead. Nothing, sorry, nothing, I, I, I. Nothing, nothing it lay terribly, you know, I, as much as I was going to expect them to when I seen them starting on the lineup, I was like, "Fuck me. But,
0: I mean, fair play. And I think the fact that the midfield was a lot better at the pre- – I mean, I thought as a team, that was probably our best counter-pressing. Uh, but Jota up there, he's obviously better at pressing. And I thought he did better. Sometimes he kind of like – uh gets overexcited with the press and you know loses totally his like wing and stuff like that i thought that didn't happen a lot and having bobby over there i think for the to be the trigger in that counter press is key and that's why we kind of need bobby there for all the bobby haters out there that do not understand like what he brings i think like our pressing game was so much better and when that pressing game is good obviously it makes it a lot easier on the center backs. What did you make of the play back in the back line there, Paul?
1: I mean, I was honestly relieved to see Cavani start because I mean, he's up, he's been in good form for them. Right. But he doesn't, he doesn't really, he's not going to outpace you in the back necessarily. So um, I don't know if we knew something that no one else knew um, in terms of the lineup or we just got lucky. Cause I mean, that was a concern, right? We had talked about, uh, you got to pick your poison, right? We either get we either get killed on pace, starting and Reese and, and, and not together, or it's death by a thousand cuts if we take Fab out of the midfield and let Bruno have all day to just pick us apart. So it's kind of like pick your poison. I think we kind of got fortunate you know, or knew something that you know nobody else knew um, with Cavani starting because that kind of neutralized a little bit of that pace. I mean, we had to worry about it out wide, but you've got Trent and Rabo, um, and then I think Fab, you know didn't have his best game, but I mean, he was clearly told to just disrupt Bruno the entire match and he did a fairly good job of just kind of getting under his feet for the rest of the match and making at least things uncomfortable for him. Um, so that, I mean, Matt basically um, showed us what he was worth from a mental standpoint, you know, he lets in that own goal. And it's really easy to kind of hang your head and get sucked in um, and lose your composure. But he basically slapped on the Cape after that. And like, you know, was swallowing up mid, up midfield and like, you know, getting in on corners and create, you know, he created that first goal and then he had a couple got like goal line clearances. So yeah, he had, he had like an absolutely massive game after, after what could have, you know, been a game where he just kind of like folded it in.
0: Yeah. I felt that showed like a lot of, I guess, like maturity on his behalf to have that goal going. And he almost like I was watching, you know, his post-match interview and he almost felt like he could have probably done better He didn't realize that ball was suddenly going to curve like the way it did. I'm still not sure if that ball is going in, uh, but the way it's curving, I almost felt like even if it's the post, it might go in because it's curving that way. You think that's an own goal there, Jamie? That's your boy. It's like, it's like what he says. He
2: he said in his interview, he said, because he's so close to the goal line, all it needs to do is clip him when it's in. So, I mean, I, 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 personally give that uh, striker because i'd be greedy like that <laughs> up front i'd hate i'd hate to see that chalked off as an own goal but it's it's an own goal
0: but i mean he recovered very well and i thought as a pairing there and this is why it's kind of like dangerous and when we come to this game uh, this weekend we'll kind of like you kind of saw like a night and day difference in terms of what they face makes the bigger difference. And that's why I was amazed too that Cavani was starting because uh, that was not how to harass that back duo that was going to be I mean, shaky regardless of who starts with Phillips because, you know, they're both always even if Kabak is healthy uh, it was going to be the same situation. Come has a bit obviously a lot more speed than Reese, but still uh, I thought it was. That. So in terms of like the goals that we got to for Paul Is that –
1: I mean – That was the most shocking thing of anything to me, right? Exactly. I mean, mean, is that just
0: finishing finally being converted or just something
1: that United did, not having slab head back there? What did you think it was? I mean, I think it's probably a combination of those things, but I think it's just the bottom line was like we were just clinical in front of goal for the first time in forever, you know? Like, and I don't know – I don't know how you can like – I don't know what the difference is. Like, I, I, you know, it's not like we were, I don't think that we were necessarily in better goal scoring position than we've normally been. It's just, just one of those things. I think, I don't know, Bobby's a big game player. Like, Bobby shows up in big time moments in big games. And like, so, I mean, I don't know if that plays a role in it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the difference, in, like, is just, we were clinical for the first time in a long time and it's it's a weird one because like we were talking before the mat before the west Brom match, match you know and um robbie was going on before and pre-game at west brom saying that like you know the thing that's going to cost liverpool the title is if like this this young inexperienced back line concedes goals and i like like i looked at jamie i was like ah it's like can we fucking score versus west brom you know like that's the thing like we put four past united but These low block teams we've seen to suffer against. So I think, I think, you know, I think it was just we were clinical, but I also think we're just better on the break. Like we're better in transition, uh, you know, and I think those opportunities were there. If you look at Mo's last goal, that's a classic goal, goal in transition. And I just think, you know, for once we were just, we just got it done in front and I don't know what the difference is. I really don't.
2: On that Mo last goal, have you seen the memes of where Henderson places himself in the goal where he's just like shrunk down, minuscule-sized <laughs> what was
0: he, Like, what was he thinking? Like, yeah, I was in, to- in the lines of the... I, you know, like, when this You know, on TV, like, you see Mo running, sprinting. You almost expect, like, from the end of the screen... So for the goalie to eventually pop up, I'm like, is the goal empty? Like, did did he come up or something? Like, you were just waiting in line still like a freaking high school kid. like, what are
1: you doing? It's his way back from grabbing a drink.
0: (laughs) So, okay, in terms of – and that's why, you know, like watching it live, I mean, that goal happens, which was kind of like a fluke thing. And I, you know, I thought the game was pretty even. We had a couple of like, you know, it looked like we could create chances against them and stuff. And for a split second, I mean, even my brother, we were kind of like messaging back and forth. It was like, well, this could go this Either could way. go bad fast. Especially, I thought if they really sat back at that time, uh, they could cause us a lot of trouble on the counter, knowing the slower center backs. But they almost like did not play smart and let us back in the game. And then, like I say, to be fair to the boys, I mean, I thought they were able to kind of like, regroup themselves and like start attacking again. And once we attack them, I mean, their defense is obviously not all that, especially with no Maguire over there. And Jamie, please address all the whining and moping about McGuire not being there after these guys saying, oh, get over the couple of injuries. When we have like 85 center backs hurt. It's,
2: it's typical. It really is. It's laughable. You know what I mean? It, it's all of a sudden it now matters, you know? For the entire season, it hasn't mattered until this most recent occurrence. You know what I mean? It's just – it's typical. It's laughable.
0: So you guys were able to – you guys were watching the game together since you guys are North Carolina boys. Yeah. Uh, so were you teaching – for those of you who missed the last episode, it was just me and Paul – And one of the key moments of this podcast history, I would say, uh, was being able to have Paul commit to singing on the podcast if we make the Champions League. He will say that he never agreed to it. But I I will say, I will say, if you go back and listen to the end of last episode, uh, that you will see that silence is admittance. Listen,
1: Uh, (laughs) like you grew up in a country where the barter system is very much in play, right? And I feel like you just kind of told me what the deal was, and I was like, I was like one of those foreigners with a fanny pack on, where I just kind of nodded in agreement. That's what. <laughs> that.
0: Yep, Turkish bazaar style, baby. But either way, we were able to commit to it. So, did you give him any tips, Jamie? Because I'm sure you were singing the entire after, especially after the goal. Uh, first half, first half, not so much.
2: Um, but yeah, um, certainly around the 95th minute mark, things definitely kicked up a notch.
0: so this should be like this is definitely going to be interesting uh well let's go back to that game uh actually hold on let me give you guys let me educate you guys on goalie scoring history over here yeah uh so the first goalie to score a professional hat trick is jose Luis Chilibert. do you guys remember this dude what
2: no i'm googling him now Chili chilever yeah,
0: he was Listen. from he from Paraguay. He was kind of
1: yes. like a he was well, a free kick guys, specialist.
0: Yes, I yes. think that's the he's guy you are referring. He's a, he's a um, dead ball and, specialist. Because I remember him, and this is not that freaking old, by the way. Because he was in um, he scored I actually four goals Cup. as they qualified for the 2002 uh, World Cup, and he was in the 98 uh, World Cup as well. And I recall him. It was him, and what was the dude's name uh, that was the Colombian goalkeeper?
2: Uh, No, that was Valderrama, the midfielder. Um, You you uh, used to in hair, so you went Valderrama. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, he had had some... Was it Higuain? I remember
2: the Mexican goalkeeper used to kiss the post. Was that Campos? Uh, That was
0: Campos Higuita. Was that what his name?
2: Higuita, Uh, yeah.
0: I remember those two guys that were, like, very... Almost like a goalkeeper, that was fun to watch because they would, yeah. like, come out of the box and dribble and get past guys and do all kinds of stuff. Paul has no idea who these people are. He's just, like, Googling over there trying to find out.
1: Yeah, well, I'm looking from the World Cup. Yeah, that yeah, that was crazy. But The, I'm, the Higuita hit that overhead kick.
0: Yeah, that was something. Right
1: ridiculous. I would hate that as a manager. That would make me angry. I would hate that as a fan, because that shit doesn't
2: work. Right. That was playing for England and he took this really shitty shot and it was just going straight into the goalkeeper's hands. So he turned around immediately and missed the goalkeeper doing the Scorpion kick and just heard the crowd and thought it went in and turned around and in almost celebration
1: that's like some serious balls because like so say that doesn't work out and you get scored on no big deal you only live in Columbia. you're dead in 15 minutes like I mean yes. you're like shot no the street next week if you miss it I actually didn't even think of that
0: that makes it twice as ballsy <laughs> <I know. laughs> so in Colombia I'm like dude you have a
1: family don't do that I'm like <laughs> –
0: but yeah there goes your answer yeah see i had to dig that one out i thought that was like good i I do but when i pulled it off and i was like oh i do actually remember him like watching him and stuff like that and it wasn't 80 years ago so what do you know yeah yeah so let's go back to our boys so we go back and i kind of like said this uh in my classic cynical pessimistic fashion that it would be very much like Liverpool to kind of win that tough away game where we haven't won in like seven years or something like that. First time for a club, uh, away at Old Trafford, and then struggle and lose points against Big Sam at home. Yeah. And And Bobby's first goals against uh, United, weren't weren't they? uh, I believe so, yes. You might be right on that, yes. Um, So let's talk about... The main reason of the struggle, obviously, is the low block. But aside from that, I thought they attacked that back line a lot smarter. What would you make of that, Paul, as you open up a new beer?
1: <clears throat> yes. Is that uh, the same I think one, that's... or are you just mixing back and forth? Here? It's a different one. Oh, yeah. different... <laughs> um, I went a local this time, so... <laughs> Must be nice to be working at a brewery, so you just like sample different things. Hey, you know, I mean, I always say this job found me naturally. I don't know, I don't know what else I can say. Um, But uh, yeah, they did. Or did you fall asleep? Keep falling asleep at the bar, and they
0: were like, "You might as well freaking work here, dude." Yeah, like dude, you got
1: you got to either pay rent or you can work here. That's a story for my ex-wife. Anyway, um, but, like, yeah, like, I mean, they did. They were a lot smarter. I thought it was strange that they kept attacking down Robbo's side with Phillips because Phillips is a weird player, man. Like, he causes problems, but he's so slow. Like, you know, and, and you're worried about pace against that back line, and, and they just – I think what makes West Brom kind of dangerous is they have a little bit of Burnley in them where they just stack eight down low and then they pop it out and one of their guys runs onto it and splits your two center backs, you know, and we certainly didn't help them out by lunging forward. You know, like, uh, I felt like Nat won or Nat sort of lost uh, way more duels than he usually loses, especially in the air. Um, And I know West Brom's like a big team, but they're not necessarily tall if that makes sense. They're just kind of girthy. Mm -hmm. Um, So he got banged around pretty good in the first 10 minutes you know Reese jumps up way up on the line for the first goal it misses it and then that just never has recovery speed to get back um so I mean we kind of helped them out and and you know the the worst thing that you could possibly do against a team like West Brom is go down early and you know because they just it's like a vice grip man they just bleed games out so I mean that's kind of like Sam is kind of like the poor man's Mourinho where he'll just fucking suck the joy out of a game, especially if he goes up early. So, um, yeah, I mean, we didn't help him out. But, yeah, they're they're a tricky team. I mean, it's not an accident that, like, we haven't won in five tries versus claw. Yeah, Big Sam is that like, old pirate that knows the seas. You're like, this is how you go, son. You know,
0: like, it's just like, this is just how you ride g- the waves g- and the g- islands. He's Just jowling. Yeah. yeah. So he almost, like, is... I would say smart, I guess. I mean, he knows how to steal points, and this is why he has kind of, like, made a career for himself for saving teams, really. I mean, this is the first time he got relegated, correct?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I thought he was kind of, like, approached it a lot smarter, knowing where our weakness is. And, I mean, we all, I think every time we agree on, like, wanting Fab in midfield, and if the United game said hey, man, these center backs are pretty good. The West bromwich Albion game said, when, is, when are the other boys coming back? Right, Jamie?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, fuck me. It's good to see the back of Big Sam, though, isn't it? <laughs> it's good to see the back of that prick. I'm so done with him, man. It would have been typical Big Sam fashion as well to stick a last dagger in our hearts with a draw, but, uh. I just can't get over that game. I can't get over how better he was at the end as well. It was fantastic. Oh, what a what a mad game! I don't know. Sorry, i have just I completely spaced on your question. What was it?
0: <laughs> I was. You just went back to Ellison over there, just like some calm. He, he threw it Big Sam. Great goal. <laughs> Yeah, and then, yeah. That's Big all State you're getting was, out of me tonight. It, it, Big Sam <laughs> was, like, I, I, sitting on his asshole game, and then towards the end, he got all excited because they were about to steal the point. I'm like, dude, you guys, like, relegated either way. Set your ass now.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine being relegated and spending that much time belly aching about a result like that. It's very strange. Yes, he – I, I kind of,
0: like, was – I know, I hate to say it, I'm one of those fans that, or I don't know if it's like a type of fan or that's my kind of like personality, but like after we lose, like if that game was tied, I was going to just go outside, go to the garden and ignore anything and everything, media, heck even Bickler, you know, (laughs) everything, just like just going to go away and like forget about the game and just like, you know, like shovel some dirt or something, take my aggravation out of the garden. But when that thing happened in 95 minutes, I think I watched every freaking post-match thing possible. And one of the reasons I watched freaking Big Sam was to see, you know, what his reaction was, because that has to be one of those where you just like laugh when that happens and walk off. Like, what the hell are you going to do to that kind
1: of thing? I do have to give it to him. I hate that call. I mean, I think we were very fortunate. Very fortunate. I don't like that call. I mean, I get why it was made, and it's been made against us all year. So that's the thing is, like – that's my thing It's like, dude, you're already relegated. Don't complain about something that's happened to every other team in the league all fucking year. Um, but, I mean, he's not necessarily wrong. I, like, but, you know, you've got the rest of the game to win it. And, like, the problem is, is, like, they don't necessarily play uh, the type of football that goes and tries to win matches.
0: Are you talking about the drop ball one or are you talking about the offsides? Because he was whining about everything. I'm talking about the
1: offsides.
0: Offside. What did you think, Jamie? See, I thought that was offsides only because, I mean, when I watched the replay and I really wanted it from behind the goal, but I thought if they had a good, which I never saw actually, but if they had like a good camera behind the goal, I think that was totally blocking what Ellison would see. And the next thing he saw was the ball bouncing into the goal because of the dude in front of him what did you think james i think
2: yeah absolutely he was right in front of him um he was never getting that he was never saving that let's be honest but rules are rules by letter of the law that's 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 impairing the keeper's vision you're right in front of the goalkeeper so i mean that's that's offside
0: um i don't yeah. never say never with ellison <laughs> yeah yeah This is probably
1: just me looking at it through the lens of a a former underperforming striker that, like, you know, I just think that, like, for me, like, the ball, like, Phillips wasn't necessarily involved in the play the way the trajectory of the ball was. But, I mean, you'd have to – I don't know. But, like, I can see it being called either way. I thought it was harsh. I thought we were fortunate. And, um, I mean, I can get it. But, like, like I can get down with disagreeing with it. But I can't get down with, like, sitting there and belly aching about it like you just fucking lost, like, the World Cup. You know, like,
0: dude, come on. When you say the underperforming striker, are you the guy that the goal got disallowed or are you the guy that caused
1: the offsides for the goal to get disallowed? I'm side? probably the guy that I got you know, like, like caused the offsides. <laughs> My lazy ass would have been like, what, I was setting a pick. <laughs> so I thought, actually,
0: despite the low block, I thought this was one of the games where, I thought this was Thiago's by far the best game. And we did create – I mean, you kind of saw, you know, what in the beginning of the season when we got Thiago, we were like, hey, this is what he's going to bring. You know, he's going to break down that low block and he's going to be able to pass between the lines and stuff like that. And I thought he was able to. Like, we were able to get chances. It wasn't one of those games where we played against, like, an organized back line where we had no shot on goal or something like that. I mean, Jamie, I know – Tiago's your boy. I mean, what did you make of that? I thought that was by far his best performance.
2: Yeah, I thought he was instrumental. Um, if Trent's finishing was any better, and who who was it that said if our if our if our goal was a foot
1: taller, we'd have won five one. <laughs>
2: uh.
1: <laughs> Between Trent and Genie, for sure.
2: Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I mean, Ti- Tiago brilliant. Um, set the pace all game. Grew into the game. I mean, he was, he was fantastic.
0: Paul, what did you make over about uh,
1: Jones starting over Genie, by the way? Um, that was a weird one for me. I didn't really get that one. Um, other than the fact that maybe Genie is just legged and they thought he needed a rest. Uh, and that maybe that they thought Curtis provided more going forward. But I, in my recent memory, Curtis's last poor performance was versus West Brom. Like he had that critical turnover late in the game. Um, so I didn't really understand that one. I thought, you know, he had one of his, I mean, I don't know. He, he was a mixed bag. I didn't think he, I won't. I don't want to go as far as to say he necessarily had a poor game. I thought he was guilty of sort of holding up the counter at times trying to, to, to find the perfect pass. Um, and I thought when Jeannie came in, he sort of like live that midfield up in a way, like brought some more steel into it. He went, Jeannie went in and just kind of started grinding and winning second balls and causing problems, in a way that Curtis hadn't necessarily done so. So, yeah, I don't really – I don't know why he got the nod there. Um, I, I do agree with you guys on Thiago. I thought Thiago was immense. I think Thiago's it, like, to me, Tiago's starting to find his role in this team a little bit. Um, and I think it was not one that sort of, like, you know, we bought him. I don't think he's being necessarily used as we had planned. Um, he's not going further as far up in an advanced position as I think we'd like to have him. But what he's doing is he's coming back and he's hitting these huge switches that we saw from verge. And I think he's like, I saw this really cool, like partnership that he's starting to form with Trent, which is weird because, you know, Trent's all the way on the right, but we're seeing these, they're almost working in tandem where they're hitting these huge switches in, in, in flipping the field in a really cool way that, you know, Henderson and verge do. Um, and then, um, I also think the guys are starting to figure out how to play with Tiago because Tiago sees the next level pass. Like, you know, you've got – if you split the field into sort of layers, um, we're always looking at that first layer um, in triangles. And I think Tiago sees through that one and plays the second window where we don't, aren't necessarily always aware of that run. And so, like, he'll be like – he'll just ping it in and he'll be like, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm going to – you make the run. I'm going to send it and, and it'll find you kind of. I mean, it's like Liam Neeson and Tiago in in, in, uh, Liam Neeson and like taking, you know, like you run and I will find you every time like that ball is going to find it like he just sends it. And they're starting to kind of figure out that, like, if they just run into the space, that ball is going to be there in a a way that not any other player on that squad can really hit. Um, So I think, yeah, he's next level, man. I mean people give him shit for like not having a higher assist tally or not, you know, bagging goals from midfield, but like he is next level. And I think, you know, Trent's game right now is, is, is hitting. Here's what I don't understand about Trent. Like how can you be so good over the last two games in his delivery in the past? Like, you know, we had a window, a two month window where he really struggled to get balls on target into the box or get things into the right area. Like, he looks like a completely different player and he to me he hasn't gotten any more rest he's not necessarily playing in a different position like I don't know what's changed where like the sharpness has come from but like his delivery between like the you know the game where he hit Roberto at Manchester and then like every ball in in this last game has been like incredible so um, he's hitting another level, and you know, Gareth Southgate can just like fuck right off into the bay. I don't know what he's doing. Not not I was included. gonna say the cynical me
0: says, is that because of the whole Southgate thing? Is that what he maybe needed? I mean,
1: maybe with like, an extra focus? Maybe. I mean, that's possible. I know that like I played better angry as a player. I know that's surprising to you. Um, uh, but like, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think I think some players need that. I think that some players. You know, Trent's young, man. He came up fast. Things got given to him pretty quickly, and he met a lot of expectations really early. So maybe he needed that. You know, maybe he needed a little bit of a setback that, you know, a lot of players, you know, get that he never maybe maybe got. So. I feel like that's – I think,
0: like, depends on the position, but I always felt the same way too. I always felt I played better once – I was pissed. Like once somebody give a late hit, you turn around, take their license plate number. You were like, number 10, I'll wait for you to come back kind of thing. And yeah, you just suddenly like, it's almost like, you know, when they say in football, like quarterback starts playing better once they get hit the first time and stuff. I think, yeah, it's like the type of player. Sometimes you do need that for some reason, like a punch in the face to get going and stuff like that. But actually, now that like you mentioned Trent, something that I didn't touch up on. I mean, won- that's why I kind of like asked about the Jones question, because I thought that was the only surprise in the lineup, because with Jordan being out now again right. uh, for the last week and the rest of the year, the front three uh, kind of like wrote itself down. But I guess that kind of reminds me about the Mania situation that I tried to not to make a big deal of it, but God knows everybody else freaking did. Uh, what did you make of that whole him not shaking hands and then he apologize, all that kind of stuff? But, I mean, I loved Klopp's response, and this is why I love this dude as a human being overall, that he gets the big picture. But uh, I just seeing that, what was your reaction, Jamie?
2: Yeah, I think, like Klopp said, if a player is showing you respect five million times and then one time he doesn't, I mean, I granted, Sadio has done it twice. Um, or at least done it to Mo and then done it to Klopp but I mean it shows passion yeah I'm not like everybody calling for Sadio's head and asking him to leave the club and saying that he's already gone it's like calm the fuck down like he, this is Sadio Mane we're talking about like he's he's angry and upset because he feels he could have contributed more I mean
0: that's it right? I mean honestly half the reaction I saw online especially was very suspicious is because the guys that were kind of like pounding him for his like, you know, like Instagram posts on Palestine and stuff like that were just all over him like three days ago, three days later when he did that. Whereas if it wasn't for those posts, I feel like half those fans would be like, Oh, it was you know, he's just a passionate player. Give him a break and
1: stuff. Or am I just reading too much into that Paul? I mean, here's an unpopular opinion, right? Like, so, like, for me, and I know I've been riding Klopp in some of his decisions this year, but for me, like, if you've let a player know late that he's not going to start an important match and you know you've upset him, maybe don't go up to him after the game expecting a <laughs> hug. Like, I mean, I've never played in a televised match, but all of my coaches from the youth level all the way up to Olympic development knew that if I had a bad match, I was pissed or whatever, they weren't going to go up like, right after the match and try to have a conversation and hug it out, right? I mean, like, as a manager, you're expected to know your players, right? So don't put them in that position. Like, don't do that. Like, um, I mean, you can't go up to them all teeth in that moment and think you're going to get a good response. I just, to me, it just, uh, like, I kind of, like, gritted my teeth and sort of, like, grimaced a little bit. Just I thought it was kind of a cringy moment. And, like, I thought, like, I know that Klopp's excited. They got a big win. But, like, dude, have some self-awareness in that moment, you know, which is – which is unbelievable because I think Klopp, that's kind of one of his strengths. Um, so that's that's my take on it. Yeah, I think a lot of it, there is some political shit um, backlash going on. Uh, and then there's always the just Saudi versus Mo bullshit narrative, you know, which if you watched, which... If you want to bury that whole, like, the Sadio and Mo, is there a rift there? If you want to bury that, look at the reaction in the West Brom match when Sadio Mane kind of toe-poked that ball to Mo and Mo put it in first time. Look at Mo's reaction immediately after the goal. He, like, points at Monty, grabs him by the back of the neck, pulls him in. Like, that shit doesn't happen on a team if there's a rift between players. It just doesn't. I think, yeah, like, nobody –
0: people who want to like, we talked about this on the last podcast, like people who want to kind of like keep that storyline going. And they either like a huge Mo fan, huge minor fan and like, you know, not big on the other one or whatever, always trying to, they, you know, pick a side in a fight that probably does not exist in the, as big of a scale as they make it sound to be, apart from just being competitive dudes, they will ignore something like that, where they got, you know, that's minus press. I thought he was very good at counter this game on his side. He ran and worked a lot. He's still not himself uh, and he didn't get into a lot of situations. I mean, he had like that one chance that he probably should have buried. Uh, But aside from that, I thought, you know, he did a lot of work off the ball that probably gets like unnoticed. Um, So, I mean, we can talk a lot about this game, but obviously let's talk about like the biggest thing. So, as a striker, (laughs) uh, and that's the thing, like, you know, they were... (sighs) I was, like, like I say, I watched every post-match thing and I know I heard in one of the shows where one of the guys were like, you know, like one of the pundits who was a striker said, usually the goalie just gets in the freaking way. Right. Uh, in that like corner kick and stuff like that. And on the other side, you know, the defender guys are basically saying, it's just a goal. You don't have to worry about him. Just stick with your guy. But having listened to Big Sam, Jamie, I thought he had a point where, you see the goalie running and, you know, Allison normally does not look like a big dude, but you watch that highlight. It's like a freaking like giant standing in the middle of the box. I mean, I thought Big Sam did have a point where somebody has to say, even if it's a striker, let me at least put a shoulder to him.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. I, you know, I, I've watched the goal and I, Countless times in all sorts of different commentary, which by the way, if you haven't seen the Brazilian commentary on the Allison Becker goal, go out there and just Google it right now. Um
0: Well, not right now, hold on.
2: <laughs> yeah, right now right now. Um Yeah, but I mean it's strange. He's he's completely unmarked. And maybe it is like you said, you know, like you just you know, he's he's just getting in the way. But the man let like a salmon out of fresh water. He he sprung into action. I mean, unbelievable. 95th minute, unbelievable. The whole 90 minutes, I was screaming, is the goalkeeper coming up? Send the goalkeeper up. Send the goalkeeper up. Send the goalkeeper up. And then in the last corner, I was like, no, it's too late. They're not sending the goalkeeper up. And then all of a sudden, you see him waltzing through the rain. And oh, my God. Unbelievable.
0: I did not even, like... Think about it, to be honest with you. Like, I wasn't even like... Because I hate to say it. I mean, I can't remember the last time we scored from a corner kick. Yeah. So, I don't get, I mean, that excited about corner kicks anymore. I'm just... All I'm saying is don't freaking play a short one. Just cross the sin. Because I was more afraid... Even in the commentary, you can hear Arlo saying, like, will there be enough time to take it? Because, really, I'm amazed Big Sam didn't bitch about that as well. Because the game was over when we took the corner kick. Um, did you even
1: anticipate Ellison going in there, um, Paul? I didn't, I mean, like, I didn't see that because I thought it would have, I thought he, we would have seen him come up a little bit earlier. So the fact that it came up so late, kind of like snuck up on me, you know, the fact that I was sitting there trying to fucking fill beers for people like, um, but yeah, like I, I thought, like, I figured it would have happened already and kind of weird because like Sam like, you know, Sam has been big. Sam has been kind of a, a, a big critic of zonal marking, like he prefers to do man marking. So, like, I don't know, but like, I think the thing that's st- the thing that immediately stuck out to me was like, you would expect Allison to get up, like, you know, like kind of barge his way in there and just kind of clunk one in, but he f- he fucking directed that thing, like, into like a corner, like, it was like it was. That, the snap yeah. of the neck. I mean, everything like, yeah, he like he got up, like snapped the neck, like breathed, like it wasn't just like he just kind of came in there and, and like used the pace of the ball and directed it in so like it was like the form and everything was like jaw dropping. So that was kind of the thing that was like the stuck out to me was on that goal was not only did he get up there, but he, he went in there and like actually like snapped that thing into a far corner. It was unreal, man. Yeah. I, it makes me curious as to what happens in training, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, he talked about <laughs> a little bit in the post-match interview, like, you know, and, you know, that sounds normal. You know, the ball is coming in, you kind of like headed just for shits and giggles. But, right. I mean, the way he took that was, I mean, that is just ridiculous, dude. I mean, that's what's made it ridiculous. I don't know. So what makes it more ridiculous for you, Jamie? Is it how he finished it? Is it the fact that he freaking finished it? Is it the fact that it's the 95th minutes? Take your poison. So, this
2: is it, right? I, I had to think about it earlier on because, I mean, this is an unbelievable header with our not just the timing, everything, it, it, it's huge for our season, but the header itself, right? Now, this man is a goalkeeper. He's probably headed the ball a hundred times, maybe, maybe less in his career, you know, maybe maybe 150 maybe 200 but no way more than than 300 times has he ever headed the ball in his career to do that is unfathomable
1: if we could just get Nat to do that we'd be
0: unstoppable man and you know we just talked about that i think it was the last podcast of the podcast before that you know nat for his defensive air power is Very ineffective uh, in the air going forward. I mean, he had an assist, this one, in the United game, and that wasn't a header. And, yeah, if you can teach them how to do that, that'd be great.
2: You You spend your career avoiding the goal. When you (laughs) get up the other side of the half of the pitch, you're like, nah, 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 I'm not buying this.
0: Because you're defenders. You don't know which way you're fucking playing. You're just defending. And I think that's what it is. And, you know, we'll probably... You know, talk about that a lot more in the beginning of the offseason and stuff like that in terms of, like, the moves we want. But I think that's – I mean, this last game, that was probably, like, the biggest difference between the United game and the West Bromwich game was how, you know, the center-back duo looked. From one game where you said, this is not too bad, but I think that was mainly because of the energy that the midfield had and the counter-pressing we did up front – And then the next game, you're like, oh, my God. Like, are we going to make it? Because it looked like every through ball was going to be dangerous with the pace that both have. And like Bickler is saying, I thought, yeah, Nat had a tough time winning balls in the air this game. Like, you would think there were a lot of times where, like, he was going up. You're like, he's going to get this. And it was like, nope, he didn't. Nope, he didn't over and over again. So, And I think that's partially because, like I said, I think the big Sam just knows how to – Manage a T Blackwest like private champion that comes to you know, you know, plays against like the top six or whatever and tries to steal a point. So, speaking of people who do that, my personal favorite Sean Douche is next.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't like him because he's a redhead. That could be
0: I mean, you know what that could have a percentage. I, I'll give that 15 for my hatreds, <laughs> but I'm not giving it more because I don't want to offend all the redheads out there. No, I that's not it. I think I just I don't like his voice, I don't like his soccer, like the way he plays the game, the way he wants the game played. I just feel like he's three decades too freaking late. But um what do you guys think against Burnley? I mean, I felt like the way we ended, um is probably how we would start this game. What do you think, Jamie? Yeah,
2: I'm okay with that. I mean, we're running out of options again, yet again up front. Uh, so,
0: the front oh, minus from- Shack, I guess. I'm sorry, and that we'll talk about that uh, as well. But holy cow, he looked miserable uh just looked so off the pace and he just, just to not i,
2: I it, a, yeah. he's a cube, so
0: he can't turn around I, I was just dying laughing when i read your comment there but i was like oh my god he looked so i you just like dude turn the other way like just, <laughs> yeah he just looks way off and you look at that bench and it's kind of sad uh but yeah when i said the way we finished i'm sorry i should have probably said you know genie instead of jones
2: yeah um like paul kind of said I, I didn't really get um curtis's spot in the game he, he must have earned it obviously but um on his show and on the pitch he, he didn't really justify it but um yeah i mean if genie is to leave he still has uh, a, he has two big cup finals to prove his worth to to anybody out there still doubting his um his dedication to the club and, and what he's done. Um the
0: boy might be leaving Barcelona so I think Italy is looking more and more likely uh especially if Kuhlman has gone from Barcelona if Barcelona can afford a different manager and pay Kuhn at the same time but uh do you have the same starting 11 with Genie instead of Jones
1: there Paul? Yeah, I think you kind of have to. I mean Burnley sets up in a traditional 442 and you're looking at like a, a, a bunch of savvy veterans in that team, you know. Um Vidra can cause problems. He's been uh, in pretty good form lately, and he's the one player in Burnley with pace. I mean, you're looking at – like, otherwise you're looking at – I mean, that's – dude, like, wouldn't Ashley Barnes fucking kill us, though? Like, I don't know what it is about those guys. Like, just these big blockheaded white dudes, and for some reason they always score on us. Like – I'd much rather see Jay Rodriguez fumbling around out there than those dudes. So, like, I mean, uh, Barnes has been coming off the bench, um, and I'd much rather see him start in a weird way because I think Bedra's pace can cause some real issues for us. But, like, who knows, man? I know they're going to set up in that boring ass four-four-two and just, you know, lump it upfield and um, – I don't know, dude, these two games, them and Palace, man, it's like two teams that I would rather not not see at all. And, you know, this is probably why I got easily pigeonholed into this bet in the first place because I know, like, West Bromwich gives us – Sam gives us problems, Burnley gives us problems, and then Crystal Palace traditionally gives us problems, although I don't feel like – I mean, they're just kind of on the – they're kind of on the down, so – I don't know. These teams don't have anything to play for um, except upsetting us, which seems to be a motivator for a lot of people. So, like, we'll just see what we see, you know. But I don't know, dude. I look at that Burnley lineup and I get sick because I just fucking – they're not a fun team to play. There's just no joy in it. It's like – it feels like work every time. So, I mean, and it's like – (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, this is this is the football is supposed to be the business of entertainment and there's nothing entertaining about that shit for sure
0: <laughs> no i mean because i know as the game was winding down and it's 1-1 and i was like man i mean yeah there's still a mathematical chance and i was gonna look at the standings and i was like you know what i don't even want to look to see you know what has to happen and you know x has to beat b and stuff like that and i was like you know what i didn't want to look if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen for champions league I mean, I feel like this past week right here uh, made the season a bit more bearable. Beating United for one, especially when your brother's United fan, you can't beat that shit. That's At like double, that's like double experience points in a freaking video game, you know. And and on top of that, this whole like Alisson moments by itself. And I mean, like I say, it just couldn't happen to a better dude, this old dad thing. I originally have a, obviously have a soft spot for that. I didn't watch my dad, like when I was in college and stuff like that. And so, I mean, yeah, I got pretty emotional. I didn't, I wouldn't say full blown cry, but definitely a lot of teary eyes there. Stitch was in shock. I can tell you that in more ways than one, the the tears, he was in shock. So, uh, so let's get some score predictions and let's pick a song for Paul to sing once we get these six points when we meet next Monday, this time, Jamie, we could have Paul
1: freaking singing.
0: That's exciting.
1: Dude, if, if that's the case, I will be drinking by three in the afternoon. Rest assured.
0: <laughs> I don't care what you have to do. We just want to hear the singing.
2: <laughs> I, I know the words, Paul. I'll write them down for you. Um... <laughs> we'll just but make sure yeah. I still
1: got pants on by the time we get there.
2: <laughs> We've... um. We're halfway there, lads. The Monty United game, the West Brom game. I mean, score predictions, lads. You know what? I'll take another heart attack 2-1 win. Let's go for it. Why not? What the hell is wrong with you? I've only (laughs) only got so much hair left. I might as well start losing it all.
0: I don't. That's why I wear hats every freaking podcast. Um, (laughs) I don't know what Paul's excuses, but
1: um, Paul, your prediction for the Burnley game? Um, I will say one nail and I say that Burnley get an equalizer chalked off by BRR judging by the letter I received today. (laughs) Man, that
0: letter alone gives me hope. Uh, so so
1: (laughs) I'm going with a three,
0: one win actually, uh, away. I really feel like if, I mean, not that they needed any other motivator, but this team kind of like needed some kind of like a, belief to get like their mojo back and really it couldn't be a better week to kind of get it back you could kind of tell in that post-match interview with Alison the frustration that these guys have when he was talking about you know the boys work hard I work hard and sometimes it just doesn't happen you could almost sense the frustration that they're feeling and I'm hoping like this past week could have been one of those where we're back, baby, kind of thing, and hopefully play like that.
1: Well, we'll if to we this. One, yeah, I was gonna say, if we get past this one the next week, we have fans, right? I mean, <laughs> and that's the thing against Palace,
0: we have like you know, we have fans, so that by itself should give a huge boost for that game. If we beat Burnley, that's why I'll be honest, I'm a lot more concerned about the Burnley game. I feel like if this team goes out there with fans, knowing they have to win. And at that point, we might not even have to win based on what happens and stuff. But I feel like, you know, that drive will get this team going. I'm more worried about uh the Burnley game more than anything else. But this time next week, I can't wait. I mean, if you needed, like I say, I was saying this in the last podcast. So if you need a reason to root for Champions League, fuck the Champions League. This is a bigger thing to root for is having Bickler sing. <laughs> I'm, samples. I'm not a big audio guy, but I'll be making samples off the shits. I mean, it's just going to go. Repeat
2: fun. after me. He moves through the midfield like nobody does. The first time I saw him, I knew it was love.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, this is probably going to surprise you guys, but this is not the worst spot I've ever been in. But <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, one thing I was going to say about
2: Allison was um, after, because he had to wait behind and do his promotional stuff for the tv interviews and everything the lads were waiting in the dressing room for and you can imagine the atmosphere in that dressing room that the last time we had an atmosphere like that we won the premier league title and the champions league final the year before that like so it's good to have that feeling back in the dressing room
1: the fabinho tweets one of the funnier things i've ever seen yeah (laughs) like that where he's like (laughs) that just that look of like holy shit like you know and then like somebody showing it to allison just just like i was dead like i haven't laughed that hard in a long time
0: no it's almost like you know they freaking like deserved it so i think we give a lot of shit but like i say that interview by itself told me uh if you didn't already kind of like sense it and know it the amount of frustration that's going out in that locker room right now so hopefully this week was the week to get out of it let's get two more wins go to the champions league have paul sing go into the off season and into the euros and stuff like that so thank you gentlemen let's keep praying and hoping i cannot freaking wait for the next podcast though uh and thank you all for listening and you guys will have to tune in next week especially if we win these two maybe worst comes to worst you, you can do like a serenade or something if you don't win the two just for you know just for the audience <laughs> i will i will I definitely just bother. like a little ballad or something because we. Oh, <laughs> Thanks again, all for listening. Uh, Check out the website. If you have not already, go to our Facebook page and enter in for our giveaway for the signed Gerard autographed uh, photo. We have two weeks left, so don't miss your chance. 14 days left before we pick a winner. Thank you again, gentlemen, and see you guys all next week.